boys and girls to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here today once again by Mr. Wex Breaking the Loss and the King of Frontside 180 K-Fabe Kick Flips. Wex, how you doing, bud? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good, and that is right, I am the king, and I'm going to post a video soon, me doing some Frontside 180 Kick Flips, so we can get that established visually, so you guys know what's going on. Kick flip. No. That, can, that can be the K-Fabe Kick Flip. I think it's. I think it's a good one. I, you I can make it a, It's like a, it's like a wrestling move. It can have the real name, but you give it your own signature twist. I'm very into it. I'm also very into our our, uh, our very first Baker's Dozen episode. It's kind of a bonus today. Uh, threw it threw off our, our schedule. We had some some um, recording conflicts with uh, with Mr. Jesse Baker, the patron saint of the Rock Block, and. Um, Amazing independent wrestler uh, Akira. So I'm very excited about today's episode, bro. Me too. Very excited. Uh, me and Jesse actually called an Akira versus Simon Gotch, former WWE wrestler. We called a match uh, them two against each other nice. at uh, a Crux show, and it was dude. Gotta love Crux. Even though he's the deathmatch guy, they put on like a wrestling clinic during that match. So he can do it all. This is gonna be a great interview. I am very excited, and without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to The Baker's Dozen. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Baker's Dozen, part of the Kayfabe Comparisons Network, and I am very happy today to host the Death Samurai, Akira. How are you doing, man? Uh, I am existing. I'm getting ready to head out to the gym, and I'm getting told that I'm fighting my girlfriend. So, you know, lovely. <laughs> I saw that announcement on Twitter, man. Uh, the uh, is it uh, ICW versus TWE? Am I right? Yeah, ICW versus TWE and uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, man, it's great. That's just a hop, skip, and a jump from us. I, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in Nashville, southeastern wrestling stuff. And the first time I got to meet you in person after seeing some of your work previous to that was in Tullahoma at Crux. That was, uh, you know, with. Mr. Simon Gotch and Carrie Awful and stuff. Uh, when did you meet Carrie? Oh, God. I met Carrie my f- 2018. I was, it was my first year in, and I met him because he was running uh, Pro Wrestling Freedoms mm-hmm. with uh, Jimmy Felcher up in here in Jeffersonville. Oh, yeah. And I did a couple shows there. Um, kind of didn't hang around too long because then Pro Wrestling Freedoms kind of uh, folded. And like we'd always been like, I'd always kind of, kind of kept up communications in a way, but especially the last year and a half, two years, like it, um, we definitely became much closer and we, uh, kind of started working together more, just talking together more. Um, just being much more, uh, in unison, I guess you could say. Totally. That's awesome. Um, he's always been just such a great ambassador down here. So I was like, when people have relationships, we try to shout out Carrie and the carnies and crux as often as we can. And pretty great. Uh, you had a pretty big weekend yourself, from what I see. Do you want to uh, tell the listeners a little bit about some of the matches, some of the situations you were in over the course of this weekend? Oh, this weekend, um, I was down in uh, Houston, Texas, for Loco Wrestling. And in that arena that runs like New Texas, Loco, and I think a couple others. And I wrestled Dante Leon, and that was a fun, uh, fun match round. I think it was like, was it? 20 minutes long. Like we went, like we went for a minute. We, we put some work in, uh, yeah. really hard hitting. Um, I kind of kicked the shit out of him, and, uh, went from there to, uh, 
New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. And I wrestled UK deathmatch wrestler, uh, TNT extreme champion, uh, Clint Margera. And we had a nice fun little romp and we kicked the, we kicked the hell out of each other. And yeah, then I, Sunday I went out and hung out with uh, Mosh in New York and came back here. Hell yeah, man. The, I, I saw a few of the clips from the Clint Margera match and it looked awesome from everything that I've seen so far. It seems to be a lot of really great feedback from it too. It was, uh, honestly, it was one of my, the most fun matches that I've had. I'm going to be, I'll be perfectly honest about it. Um, I'm really enjoying doing death matches with no glass just because you have to be, you have to get really creative with it. And, um, that, that was just a match where it was like the creativity was just flowing. No problem. I was just having the time of my life and I know he was too. That's awesome, man. I, uh, speaking of the death match thing. So there was something that you posted, uh, actually extremely recently that was very intriguing to me because I've never heard anyone word it this way before. And there's a lot of validity to it. I think in my mind, um, the quote that I read was "Deathmatch has been the backbone of the independence. Yep. And it's, uh, it, it kind of leads into, you know, I don't necessarily always want to do the classic beginning where just start stuff, uh, for my understanding, I recall hearing that you watched VHS tapes with your dad initially with wrestling. Is that um, right? My, my dad had VHS tapes. So did my uncle. And like, I didn't watch death matches when I was a kid. It was, it was WCW ECW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously watched like WWF on like cable, but then I was watching like new Japan, all Japan. Um, and like, I'd find the occasional UWF, uh, UWFI tape in the mix. And I just, that, like, that's kind of what was like the basis of me growing up kind of grew out of wrestling, you know, cause when you become like a junior high kid or a high school, you, you either stick with wrestling or you get focused more on your, uh, your puberty ridden BS sure. as most people do. And I was the one that got, I got ridden up in that. And I went back to, I kind of went out to college. That's when I eventually kind of got back into it. Cause my roommates and who became my, who were my friends were watching the Royal rumble and I just got back into it. Yeah, and that's when I got back into Ring of Honor, New Japan. I just I kind of dove headfirst back into it because I was like, I like wrestling, but I was like, I don't like this goofy kind of wrestling, you know, the, that's WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it. And I just I just went down the rabbit hole. I kept watching, kept watching what shows, and then eventually I went to a live show that was um, it was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and the main event was. Uh, AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose or, you know, John Moxley. And it was like in a TLC match or no, it was a hardcore match. I think I don't remember what exactly what it was. Might've just TLC. I don't know, but I watched that. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I think I can do this. And I just, I decided I was going to save up money. I worked three jobs, uh, got the money saved up for school, paid half of the tuition. And then they, the school liked me so much and thought I had so much potential that they were like, they really never asked the rest of the money. So <laughs> I well, kind of didn't mention it. Okay. And like, that's basically what happened. And I just started wrestling from there. And from there I went, moved down to Jeffersonville. I got kicked out of, kind of got kicked out of my family's house, uh, moved down to Jeffersonville, um, started wrestling more and more and more hopping cars, went to, uh, around 2019, January, 2019, went to, the, uh, they said it couldn't be done. GCW show saw Kasai versus Cologne. And then from there I went to Mexico and had my first death match. And it just is all spirals. You know, it, everything all is connected in some way in my career. And I just, you got to keep, uh, I just keep rolling with it. 
Yeah, hundred and ten percent, man. Uh, I definitely. Uh, I had heard a little bit about going down to Mexico for the deathmatch experience, and I'm I'm curious, like, so culturally alone, being in Mexico, especially to train as a wrestler, is one thing I would imagine that's probably just so different from anything else. But not to mention being in that deathmatch environment, right? Like, that's okay. got to be different. So I went down there on, I, I went down there because I was just offered a spot in the car. I said, okay, cool. You know, I'd be, I'd be driving. And through that, um, I was, that's where I was hanging out with John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley and, uh, Aiden Blackheart. And we got there and they were like, Hey, uh, there's a spot on the show. Uh, it's a death match. Are you in? And I was a little apprehensive, but then I eventually just said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in. Um, I said, that's like, there's weed. They're like, yeah. I'm like, there's tequila. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. I don't care. I don't care. And I went, killed it. And, uh, the, the people down there, like they loved me from the beginning. There was no like booing me because I was an American. They just loved me from the beginning. Um, and then as I went and did the deathmatch stuff, they fell in love with me more. Like I always get messages all the time. I'm going, when are you coming back to Monterey? And I'm like, hey, whenever, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whenever somebody pays me. Right. <laughs> Like whatever you get asked, you know, get asked, give me, give me the avenue to get there. I absolutely love the stories of just being out, you know, uh, taking advantage of opportunity like that, taking a spot in the car and being able to make the most of it and turn it into something that uh, you've been able to turn it into, which a lot of, uh, very prominent spots in a company like GCW and things like that. But then, so what was the time frame? Was it right after that Mexico stint or Mexico spot that you did the new Japan dojo? Uh, no, new Japan dojo. I did like. I debuted in 2018, January, 2018. Gotcha. It was like February or March is when I went. And, uh, so I was like maybe two matches in, didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Wow. But I went there and I learned like, that's where I started to get wrestling was at that, at the dojo. And it really, it really all started to click with me with how I wanted to wrestle, who I wanted to be. And I mean, all that stuff that I learned there, I still do to this day. So that's amazing, man. I mean, it's obvious that in, a lot of the influences of dudes like Shibata and things like that, you that come yep. across. And, uh, I just, that seems like it'd be a really cool experience. Um, once you started traveling a little bit more frequently, did you have any consistent travel partners or anything along those lines? Or did you mostly just kind of like, car hop over and over again i mean a lot of the driving i did was by myself um but i did hop in with cars with aiden blackheart the rejects because the rejects really uh, especially after mexico they kind of took me under their wing said hey this, this guy has promised get his promise and um so it was really those three and um I mean, it's been still been that consistent now um but now obviously i'm doing a bit, things a bit more solo so it's bit more different than obviously when I move to uh, the East coast here in July, um, Mosh is going to be probably like what my consistent road partner. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. Like what, you know, that seems like a ideal situation too. Cause at least that way it's like, Hey, we can both do all this stuff that we want to do together and then not have to spend all the time apart and yep. stuff like that. The, uh, a tag team, do a whole bunch of other stuff. Like we're like, we're going, we're coming in this as like, yeah, we're in a relationship, but we're coming in this as like a team too of like, we're here to help each other. We're here to, you know, uh, pick up the pieces of the other person, you know, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I love seeing it. It makes a lot of sense, especially in such a wacky industry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very the, well. uh, so 
my own little background, uh, I have been a concert promoter. I've booked music shows for a very long time, about 20 years, uh, in Nashville, born in yada, yada, yada. And I kind of have always been fascinated with the process of once you do get on a train and you start taking bookings and trying to generate additional bookings for yourself, process is like, because in our industry, there's typically so many middle people that are, you know, you have a good cop, bad cop scenario. You don't necessarily have to deal with the fallout yourself once you show up. So it's always been very intriguing to me. Any trials and tribulations of that process for you along the way? Um, I mean, I just, people just message me or I message them and I get booked. It's really not been that uh, difficult. I maybe had one or two situations where there was a middleman involved and I was like, no, if this person wants to book me, they can contact me directly. Tell me how much I'm getting paid. I'm not doing this on a, you're, I'm, you know, you're, you're booked. I'm like, no, what am I doing? What much you getting paid? Like, what's the details? I, I'd like yeah. to know this, please as a, like professional and professional. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, I still have those little bit difficulties with bookings too, because especially when you get like, some people have this weird thing with that, with deathmatch wrestling still, where they think, okay, these guys just want to do death matches. And, um, like, that's part of the reason, like, of, of my tweet that you were talking about of deathmatch is the backbone of independent wrestling. And I'm like, we deserve just as much opportunities as these motherfuckers that you push that are not nearly as good or as charismatic or as beloved as we are. Um, like, I'm, I feel like I've been, I've been relevant. Like, you know, I'm not letting it get to my head or anything, but I'm saying like this, I have been probably one of the most relevant guys on the Indies since 2020. Like 2020 was my year. 2021 was still really my year. 2022, yeah. it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And you don't see me getting on these like little cute little IWTV segments. You don't see me getting like, where's, the, where's been my IWTV title shot, you know? Right. Like, and this isn't me going like bashing on other people for getting their opportunities. Good for them. But I'm also going, I've been busting my ass, you know? a lot of people have been busting their asses and they're not getting half the opportunities because of some weird favoritism thing. And it's like, no, we deserve just as much a chance as any other guys. Guys like Eric Ryan deserve just as much a chance as any other guys on the East coast guys like me, Reed Bentley, like Reed Bentley's finally getting his shine. He just won the, the American Deathmatch championship. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like a guy like Schlack would be cool on TV. He's like, he's funny. He's aggressive. He's really entertaining, more entertaining than a lot of motherfuckers that are on TV. Like I'm like, there's a whole plethora of people of deathmatch guys that could beat your ass in a regular match or in a deathmatch or on TV and be just as entertaining. And you know, they're just not engaging. That's part of why I'm moving to the East coast. So there's no excuse why, you know, I should like, I shouldn't be getting booked. Yeah. Like I, it's, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming to the East coast. Cause I've been to the South, you know, I'm like action. I'm loved TWE mm -hmm. has a, I like, they does nothing but accept me. Like I'm one of their own. Like when I came out for me and Gary J, it was like wild and loud and crazy. Same thing with no holds barred. And even like the Tullahoma shows, like they were, I was getting cheered just as much as Jaden was. And yeah. even Jaden was in the ring. He looked at me. He was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't know, bro. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, they, you can't dash acceptance. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah, I 100% uh, agree with you. Well, let me ask you what you think about this then. So do you think that the permeation of certain things, like as a longtime fan, it was 
kind of telling to see that a company like an AEW finally accepted having Nick Gage onto a major television network. I think that that was somewhat of a breakthrough in that way because I don't know that we've seen anyone that was that outside of that normal system really be on that platform before. So do you think that things like that, I guess, you know, IWC has a lot to do with it, but could possibly pave the way to continue to kind of help bring deathmatch fighters into a higher limelight. Part of what my goal is, is to do kind of what Nick did is elevate deathmatch wrestling and deathmatch wrestlers. So we make like, we deserve to make, probably even more money than a lot of these dudes make. We deserved, we deserve to get these normal wrestling opportunities to get paid just as much as a lot of people. But when we bleed, we do what we do. We deserve to get paid double that triple that. Cause we're killing ourselves for this shit. Yeah. And guy, like what guys like Nick do is elevate what we do and make it more like, make it more aware. Like I, I, I picked, I got the best timing in the world to become like, you know, the hybrid deathmatch guy in 2020. Cause it was just, it's nothing but, but a skyrocket. I've been getting a lot more opportunities. Sure. I have to fight for some too, but you know, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, but it helps. Yes. But there's still a lot more road to go because like you have, you still, then you still have things like the IWTV title, which, you know, people will say, like, it's just a title. It's like, but it's still representative of one of the biggest networks in independent wrestling for how people view things. And it's like, and y- has it been defended in a deathmatch ever? No. Has it been contested by many deathmatch guys who are just as relevant, if not featured more than most guys and travel more? No. Like the independent wrestling t- championship is all of independent wrestling. Like whatever this weird, like, I'm going to defend it in the South and that's it. I'm going to defend it in the Northeast. It's like, no Warhorse did it best. Warhorse traveled everywhere. He put all these places that he traveled to on a map because that's what the IWTV, that's what the independent wrestling is. That's what, that's what we are is independent wrestlers. I'm not a Southern wrestler. I'm not a Midwest wrestler. The Midwest has accepted and rejected me more than many times, like more than many times. Yeah. Like, I'm an independent wrestler. Um, so it's a wanting to represent independent wrestling as a whole, as opposed to be attached to a region or anything like that. And I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I've watched a lot of war horses journey as well. And obviously with every industry, but especially wrestling, all of the pandemic stuff blocked so many awesome opportunities to go outside of America with a lot of things. And it seemed to me like that was kind of a travesty in terms of timing <laughs> for defending that particular title. But the um, I it's that's very enlightening. I think that it would be awesome to be able to see that title go into the realm of being defended in death matches, being defended you know, a little bit outside of the paradigm of what I've seen so far. But but I think the death match. Here's the thing about that: it should be defended in death matches because if a death match wrestler wins that, that death match wrestler can go and wrestle people in regular matches as well. And elevate what we do to begin with. That's that's the entire basis of like what I'm doing. Like that that title has been a goal for me for two years, and I have not been able to get a whiff of it yet because it's like people can denote it all they want. It's still part of everything that we do. People yeah. people pay attention to those title matches. Like people pay attention to Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia, like because of that title. And then after. 
AC Max recent win got a lot of press. Uh, I, I followed a lot of Warhorse. The first time I ever saw it defended in person was Tracy Williams, who obviously was doing really great with the Ring of Honor run until you know they took their hiatus and whatnot. I mean, it's prominent. Like it's, I I just think this cherry picking and saying I'm only going to defend it here is weak. It is very uh, weak shit, and uh, us in the deathmatch world hate that weak shit and thinks it's, it's pretty pathetic. Um, I mean, I don't give a shit. Like if, if this motherfucker wants to defend it in the South, I'll come beat his ass in the South. I'll beat whoever's ass in the North. I don't care. Like, and then take it with you. Right. Yeah. And take it everywhere. And not because not only do you go to these, these promotions that and defend it there, right. Because you, you bring your name value there. People watch for that title ma- for that title match there. But then you bring, but those people that were at that promotion that know that promotion will now be like, Hey, I like that wrestler. Now I'm going to go to the South. I'm going to go to the North. You know, you go back to your home promotions. Oh, now I know about these promotions. That's how you grow things. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 a, it's this weird thing. Like I, I looked at Twitter yesterday. I wanted to throw my phone away. I was like, I hate this. This is stupid. Y'all are stupid. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the, I was, I was like, I want to kick the shit out of most of you. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's, it's, it's just such a firing ground for a lot of things. And, Everybody wants to take opportunities to trash on people for stuff that I don't understand. And, uh, and I'm just a fan, dude. I like, you know, I'm in the concert industry. I'm not in this industry. I'm just a fan, but you still see some of that stuff. Once you get attached and you're like, "Ah, why, why do you even watch this? If this is how you're going to react to things, that's, I, I just haven't really understood it. Um, to move on into a slightly different territory. One thing I am a little bit curious about as well, obviously with, uh, the, a lot of the different influences that you brought in, a lot of the history of deathmatch wrestling being more, uh, you know, obviously Japan has a huge influence on the core background of what America discovered about deathmatch wrestling a long time ago and things. And you very clearly also have several ties to things like anime and things along those lines. So I'm curious, like, did you intentionally, in terms of a look and your style of what you do when you go to fight, was that's something that you did like super on purpose or is it just like you translated, you know, to 11? It's just me translated, dude. Like the hair. I just like, this is me. I like how I look. It wasn't just like, Ooh, anime or anything like that. Um, I'm just me being me. Um, I'm just a white Korean Japanese kid who, you know, is just expressing himself. That's how I like fighting. Um, the, like the movies and stuff that I like, it, it probably translated, you know, secondhandedly that's how that's how most things happen you know when you turn yourself up to 11 those things seem to seep seep through like with music with writing it's just how it works it's it's yeah. still it's competitive it's a sport but it's still a creative and artistic endeavor as well well i, I mean i think it's awesome it's it's one of those things that you know they always it's a cliche at this point in some ways to say that the best versions of folks that are in this industry or really any industry are just themselves translated to 11. But I mean, it's true over and over again. And it's just cool to see. I don't know. Cause it does not seem like it's contrived in any way whatsoever. And I think that that's key. The, um, one super annoying question that I'm sure you get asked on almost every interview that you do, but I am curious, definitely due to the nature of the deathmatch fighting style, any particularly like hindsight, fun or terrible injury stories, that stand out to you? 
I mean, the one that started getting me notoriety to begin with was me versus Peter B. Beautiful when I got thrown through multiple panes of untempered glass. Untempered glass. I did. I read that. (laughs) Severed an artery in my legs. I was literally less than a centimeter away from getting that thing cut and probably bleeding out. Um, There's that one, which, you know, was a blessing and a curse because I have the scars forever. But because of those, I'm here. And obviously there's the Tremont one, which just that that sucked. Yeah. Like in the moment, I really didn't think it sucked that bad. Then on the car ride home, I was like, I want to die. This is horrible. It's had a huge gaping hole in my chest. I had to go lay home, lay at home for like five or six days and just not move. Yeah. I can't imagine, dude. I'm, I'm definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I, I cannot pretend that I've ever been through anything even remotely close to that. But I mean, I guess it's adrenaline mostly at the moment that stops it from really setting in until you're on your way out. Right. Yep. And then there was the uh, match of Mickey Knuckles and I where she threw me in the TV for the last time. Mm-hmm. And the TV had slipped just enough to where when my head collided, it collided with the metal bar of the ring right behind it. So my neck compressed. And I wrestled another 25 minutes and then my neck was stiff and I could not move my neck for like three months. That sounds terrible. And I still wrestled on it. So (laughs) some gnarly shit, man. That's it's something that's, you know, uh, just another testament to exactly what you said in terms of when you, you know, go to every single style, what people put themselves through in order to, do something that is, you know, true and versatile and all of that stuff. It just belabors that point. And big ups to you, man. I definitely don't think I could have gone through that myself. Oh, I, it's trust me. I'm a, I like to rationalize that I'm a kind and normal individual, but then people will just like point out the stuff that I do. Like, no, you're not. You eat glass. You did this, you did that. And I'm like, Oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> hey, Possibly. I mean, it, Maybe we just change the definition of a kind and rational individual over time, right? Uh, I don't think we should. (laughs) So um, I guess, you know, kind of as we get towards starting to wrap a handful of different things up, I know that one of the goals that you've said is to prove that deathmatch fighters are the best fighters and to continue to do that throughout 2022, which will continue to be your year. Do you have any other just specific goals outside of that and specifically the IWTV title? Um. I mean, obviously those two, um, blood sport is one. That's, that's just, that's another aspect of, you know, what I want to do. Um, I know Mosh and I are working on tag tag stuff. So we want to come for some tag gold. Um, TV is I like my goal this year is to start getting on TV some as well. Um, cause that, that's another, it's once again, that's just part of achieving part of my goal. Um, I'm getting the best shape of my life due to her. Uh, she's really pushing me as a wrestler's person and, you know, just physically and mentally and international this year too. Uh, UK and Europe is definitely uh, a couple spots that we want to head out to and Australia, Australia and one more and one more. Uh, I am eventually going to go to Russia with her and I'm going to do a Russian death match. So one of the shows that you did, a, a podcast that I used to be on, was uh, co-hosted by Deathmatch referee Mr. John Gray. And I was supposed to be on the episode that you did. I was unavailable that particular day, unfortunately. 
But we also did a show shortly before that with Alex Nabiev. Bless him. <laughs> Mosh is about to go hang out with him for uh, like uh, a week too. <laughs> it was some of the craziest stuff that I've ever heard. We we got into the, he was. I didn't understand what he meant when he said that they drank rubbing alcohol and that there there is a slight difference, but it's still pretty messed up. But he was also telling us about like using you know the like rubbing alcohol as lighter fluid for fires and a bunch of death matches and things. And because of the slight bit of a language barrier, it, it, it was very fascinating is all I'm going to say, but I have the utmost respect because I didn't realize that it was such a huge thing there until we did that interview. Yeah. Nabeev is a, like, I love him to death. He's a really kind person, but he's also like, I think I'm a crazy person. Nabeev is a thousand times more crazy than I could ever (laughs) pretend to be. It's, you know, it's just fascinating and cross culture. And it just proves that, you know, there is an importance across those things. And if something like deathmatch wrestling can actually unite folks from such different backgrounds and bring them together for that same kind of thing that they're passionate about, I think that's pretty dope myself, but. Oh yeah. The, um, I want to get, I want, I, Masha wants to get him to the States, but I want to get him to the States too. I wanted to for the past two years because that dude loves wrestling more than a lot of, uh, independent wrestlers pretend to love wrestling. Yeah. For sure. That was very clear um, in, throughout that entire episode, for sure. The uh, So you're in Vegas this upcoming weekend, am I right? Yep, going to kick the shit out of Adriel Noctis. Heck yeah, man. And that falls on the same day as the Rumble, doesn't it? It's on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that will be the day this airs, actually. So The Rumble's on uh, Saturday? That was on Sunday. They've been doing Saturdays for the bigger ones. So. What the fuck? Whoa, yeah, okay, weird, but... Cool. <laughs> on the 29th. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they figured out people don't want to stick around on the work nights or something, but I mean, uh, anything else that you would like to plug in terms of just where people can, uh, find your merch where people should be looking for you coming up. And okay. um, I mean, I've got my merch at death as well as stiffblade.com, And I also have, uh, a Patreon site, which is, you know, patreon.com forward slash, uh, death samurai and my Twitch, which is, uh, just the exotic weapon. Please support that. You say, I normally shoot Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And of course that is changes due to wrestling. And if I'm free on weekends, I stream on weekends and February will be much more, uh, relaxed because I don't have much until the end of, uh, February, which is the Chicago shows for uh, no holds barred, but that's generally, you know, what we got what going on. Um, I'm like, I'm going to get like mosh on some Twitch streams, things like that. It's, it's pretty relaxed and fun time. You can also like come hang out in my discord to be just, I, I normally pop in there, converse with people. And it's a nice little community of insanity. Awesome. I love it, man. Well, that's great. Uh, please anybody who is tuning into this as we air it. Go on and make sure that you support the Death Samurai, Mr. Akira himself. I'm excited to see what's coming up for you, man. I feel like uh, uh, it just continues to be more and more cool shit, and I'm a big fan. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here today on this Kayfabe Comparisons Baker's Dozen episode, and man, I can't wait to get to see you live again. Not a problem, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate it, brother. Happy summer. All right, so that was a hell of an interview right there with Akira and Jesse Baker, the king yeah, of the Baker's Dozen. Yeah, man, very first one, very first one. On this uh, on this Royal Rumble Sunday, 
Um, to be completely honest with you, man, I didn't know very much about Akira. I know that you and uh, Jesse, as you said, had done some commentary on one of his matches. Uh, but after listening to the interview, I like the guy. I'm definitely going to follow his career. Um, I hope, you know, it looks like the sky's the limit for the guy. I mean, he's been all over the place and looks like he's got some pretty awesome bookings coming up, too. Yep. And hopefully he'll be doing some more GCW shots because, woo, GCW has been killing it lately. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know what? That's going to wrap it up for us, though. But before we get before we get too far into it, it is Royal Rumble Sunday, right? Before before we uh, give them the script. What's your pick, man? Just give me your overall, your pick for the women's and your pick for the men's Royal Rumble. Well, who you got? Okay, for the women's, I'm going to have a bold claim, making her second win, the returning Asuka. That's my pick. Ooh, the returning Asuka. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. Going to get her uh, second women's? Rumble win. And for the men's, for the men's. Uh, yeah, tell them. It's going to be tough. going to be very tough. But me, I'm going to choose Kevin Owens. Ooh, ooh! I like Owens. I like Owens. I'm going Big E. I still feel like that train is rolling, and I still feel like they're pushing him hard on TV. So I'm, I'm, I'm going with Big E. I think it's um, something that they'll like use culturally. Honestly, that's like kind of pushing like the WWE, the mainstream like marketing advertising machine that they've been kind of doing lately. And honestly, I think it's a good pick. I think E's awesome. Uh, as far as women's go, um, I'm gonna say returning Bailey. Ooh, so uh, both of us with return picks for the yeah. women's rumble, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and both of us with the former world champions trying to get another world title shot. I am excited about it. I'm excited about us. Go ahead and tweet it at us. Uh, tell us if we're right or wrong because this will be coming out about noon. Uh, so you guys should have some time before the rumble, and hopefully you'll listen to this quick and awesome bonus episode. We are slipping the Baker's dozen into the regular rotation though, so. Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see more of these. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to have Jesse back a part of the show. And also, it's awesome to kind of have, like, the diversity of having different style episodes all together. I actually like that, too. I've had some feedback about the links of the shows. And, you know, sometimes you get the little shorter shows. It's nice and short and sweet, and you can suck them in a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally into it. I am totally into it. That's going to do it for us here. You can always find the show at kfabe.com on all the socials except for the Tiki Talk. We are at kfabe.com pod. Be sure to follow us and subscribe to us on uh, YouTube. Be sure to hit that bell and get the notifications for every time we upload a new video. Um, we got videos going on TikTok. We got videos going on YouTube. Um, I'm really excited about it. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak on all of the socials. And Wex, hit him with the script, baby. Oh, you can find your boy Wex breaking the loss and have Wex breaking the loss and on all of your social medias except Facebook because I'm trying to stay a little bit low-key. <laughs> yeah, leave him alone on Facebook, guys. His grandma's on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. That's going to do it for us, though. We will see you guys next Friday. We're out. Peace. Holla.